Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello, and welcome to Daily Daf Differently for Tractate Yoma, page 52, Nunbet. It's Jeremy Kalmanowski with you. We continue our discussion of everything that the Kohen Gadol did in the temple uh, on, on Yom Kippur, and the page includes a description on the, on the bet side of the page in the Mishnah that he walked from the parochet to the Aron, from the curtain to, the, to the, uh, where the ark was, this is pretty interesting from the rabbi's perspective, though, of course, as, as they say here, this can't quite be right, because in the first temple, there was no parochet, there was no curtain, and in the second temple, there was no aron, there was no ark, so what exactly is the Mishnah talking about? And it relates here on our page that all kinds of things were lost with the destruction of the first temple. The ark itself was hidden by the King Josiah and the... And the uh, the container of manna that was a relic of the desert times and the, the vial for the anointing oil and the gift that the, that the Philistines had given to the God of Israel and Aaron's staff. All of these relics that represent biblical stories were gone by the time the second temple comes around. Yet the, the Mishnah appears to be self-contradictory because it refers to both first and second temple artifacts. They, they resolve that contradiction by saying that we're talking about the second temple so there was, was a curtain, but there was no Aron, but there was still a place where the Aron once was. So that's how they can make sense of the text. On the first side of the page, there's a really fascinating and, and totally great and amazing uh, comment on rabbinic hermeneutics, the way they understand texts. On the first page, they talk about something called the Amateraxin, a one ama with dividing space, and they couldn't quite ascertain whether this, this thing, which they have a tradition about, uh, belongs outside of the Holy of Holies or inside the Holy of Holies. And the reason they have trouble with that is they're trying to derive an answer to that placement based on verses from the Book of Kings. But the, but the Book of Kings here is, is somewhere between contradictory and ambiguous and admits of multiple different interpretations. So, so the, uh, the first person here who is cited as uh, Yosef Ish Hutzal, Yosef from the town of Hutzal, he offers two, in, two incompatible interpretations, or he points out how the verse is ambiguous and could be read in either way uh, for, for that problem. But the Talmud now goes on and says, well, I, I don't understand, how could that ver- verse be ambiguous when we have what we think is an exhaustive list of all of the ambiguous verses in the Torah? Of course, you and I might say there are many ambiguous verses, but the rabbis, in the, through the voice of one of the Tanaim, Mishnaic era teachers called Isi ben Yehuda, says, Chamesh mikraot b'Torah, ein lahem hechreya. There are five verses in the Torah that have no definitive interpretation. Uh, that might mean that the words are hard to tell, but I think that it basically means that there are multiple possible punctuations that you don't know whether to put a comma before or after a given word. And so, there are verses which you, you really can't figure out what they mean. Now, when you have, nowadays, when you have the Masoretic, or the, 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 the people who put the Ta'ameha Mikra, the musical notations, in the Torah, 
they will resolve many of these for us, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't a question that they had to resolve. The, the verse itself, if you just read the words, have inherent ambiguities. So, for example, with respect to the story of Cain, after Cain kills Abel, God says to him, Halo im teitiv se'et, ve'im lo teitiv lefetach chatat rovetz. Which either means, as our Masoretic text with the, with, the, with the musical notations has, and that seems to make sense, if you do well, you will be forgiven, comma, but if you do not do well, sin will crouch at your door. However, it is perfectly plausible to read that verse as, uh, isn't it good if you, if you do well, comma, but you will bear your sin if you do not do well, and it will crouch at your door. Not, neither of those is absolutely definitive. There are a couple of others. Um, there, well, there are four others. There are five in total. Uh, Moses. There's one specifically about the construction of the Mishkan, which, frankly, I find very difficult to tell what the two alternatives are. Uh, in Exodus chapter 17, when they are fighting Amalek, it says, Vayomer Moshe el Yehoshua, Moses says to Joshua, Bechar lanu anashim, Choose yourself some good men. Go fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the mountain with God's staff in my hand. What is the meaning of the word machar, tomorrow, in that sentence? Either gather up some men for you and fight Amalek tomorrow while I stand on the top of the, of the hill, or it means, and this is how our Masoretic text, our, our musical notations have it today, go choose men and go fight Amalek now, and tomorrow I will be at the top of the, of the mountain. But either one of those is perfectly plausible, and ni neither is definitive. Uh, Shimon and Levi, when they get the curse from Jacob, or the blessing essentially, but the blessing is a very uh, ungentle one from their father, Shimon and Levi are, are called vessels of rage. Uh, may, may my soul never be among them. And, uh, and you know, Jacob is, is distressed with them. And it says, Ki hargu ish In their rage they killed a man, and with their will they, they uh, castrated an ox. Arur apam ki az. Cursed be their fierce anger, be'evratam ki kashata, and their rage, for is it for it is so severe. And and the verse goes on. Uh, it is that's how the, that's how we read it, and that's how our Masoretic texts interpret it. And even to say it really strongly, um, that we even ikrushor they, they castrated the ox is in the end of a sentence, the end of a verse, and a new verse begins with the word arur. Cursed be their and cursed be their anger. However, the Talmud says it's possible to read it like this. In their rage they killed a man. And in their will they, they uh, castrated a cursed ox. And then that would be a new period, not where the period is now, but a new period. And then it would go on and say, And their, their rage is fierce or something like that. So uh, that would be an interpretation which the Talmud says is, is a totally plausible one, which would be utterly different, even not the same verse markings as our, as our uh, Masoretic text. And that's kind of important because the rabbis have a general view 
that you can't repunctuate the verses as they think that Moses did. So, as far as they're concerned, uh, there's two contradictory impulses. On one hand, Moses must have punctuated the verses correctly, except according to E.C. Ben Yehuda, this is not a, a necessary interpretation. The last one of them is really fascinating. Uh, we'll get to it again, I'm sure, in the many years to come when we track, study Tractate Sanhedrin. Uh, one, of the, one of the verses which is taken to be uh, an indication that there will be resurrection of the dead comes from Moses' final speech in, in Deuteronomy, or near, near Moses' final speech, when God speaks to Moses in the end of Deuteronomy, and says, listen, your time has come to die. Vayomer Adunai el Moshe, in Deuteronomy 33, God says to Moses, Hincha shochevi mavotecha, it's time to lie with your ancestors. Vekam ha'amazev zana acharei Elohei necha ha'aretz. But the people will arise and they will, they will uh, whore after the, the foreign gods. Well, that's clearly the semantic way to make sense of it. However, the, the sages make a homiletical midrash. They say, they say, Behold, you will lie with your ancestors, but rise again. Now, semantically speaking, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it is taken here as one of the ineluctably uh, ambiguous verses in our Torah. It's certainly one of the features of rabbinic reading that makes it so creative is that they tend to focus not on what the verses obviously mean, but what they might mean, the depth and the possibility in the verses, and that's what makes studying Torah with the sages so exciting. Thanks for learning today's page with me, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros, from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.